Hello, David here. Now, there are a lot of surprising things you hear about members of Congress doing. But one thing I never expected was for one of them to write a book about Bigfoot. But that's exactly what outgoing Republican Congressman Denver Riggleman has done, writing a book called Bigfoot. It's complicated. And for him, Bigfoot is a little complicated. For one thing, Riggleman is a Bigfoot enthusiast. He's been out on Bigfoot hunts, something that seems to have kicked off when he encountered a possible Bigfoot when he was just a kid. And then a few years ago, he got embroiled in a scandal when his running mate, Democrat Leslie Cockburn, accused him of being a fan of Bigfoot erotica. That saw him being mocked by everyone from Letterman to Colbert. And the thing is, he had posted photos on his Instagram of a naked Bigfoot, but in his mind it was all just a big joke. Anyway, after all that, he's written a book about Bigfoot, and it got my attention because he likens belief in Bigfoot to belief in conspiracy theories. And so, of course, we had to tackle Denver Riggleman and Bigfoot for this episode of Armchair and Dangerous. Buckle in. Another crazy day in America. Are you guys all under control over there? I've been watching on Twitter. It's kind of fucking mad. It's now, insane. I want to know if you could describe it to me. What's it like being over there watching? In New Zealand, we're sort of dumbfounded watching. It's like you're watching a film because we love like Olympus has fallen and all those big silly action films about the world going wrong. And so watching these scenes... It's like an unbelievable movie because the scenes are too <laughs> weird. It's like you can kind of imagine someone storming Congress, but the sorts of people that are getting in there, it's like a bit off from what you'd expect in any kind of logical plane. So it's really weird. It's not Mr. Smith going to Washington. No, it's a really odd thing to watch. It just seems like a big joke that's gone very, very dark. Today, the Senate turned over. We're now a 50-50 Senate. The two Georgian Democratic candidates won. Yes. And then some, um, I guess, Proud Boys were among the many that traveled to D.C. in anticipation of this. They're storming the Capitol. Yeah. 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 Totally normal. Yeah. (laughs) Totally normal day. I was going to draw a parallel to when, like, there's a heckler in a comedy show, and then you actually give them the microphone, and then they immediately run out of stuff to say. They have so much stuff to say from the audience, but if you actually hand them the mic, they get stage fright like everyone else. They they can't fucking entertain people for 10 minutes. So I think a lot of these folks were like, get it, fucking get over the wall. got to get in there. They get it. I have to imagine they, they were inside and immediately were like, now what do we do? Are we burning this place? Are we going to spit on Pelosi's desk? There was a total lack of knowing what to do. I think someone ran off the podium. There were some photos taken. But none of them know what to do because they hadn't thought anything through. (laughs) No. It was like, put one foot in front of the other. They say sometimes a climb up a mountain starts with one step, but also think about the whole trip. Yeah, and it's been a long time coming. And it's funny because the first episode we did of this, we were talking about lizard people and kind of laughing about it a lot and about David Icke and his ideas. And then you read a headline saying, oh, the National Bomber. He was a big believer in lizard people. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, okay. And again, let's go through this carefully. I don't want anyone to mistake my amusement as anyone that was hurt in that or threatened by that or scared by that or lost a business in that. But I just want to say from my perspective, it happened. And I said, well, this stinks immediately because who are the victims? And I was like, well, that's weird. He was in front of an AT&T store. So anytime something stinks of a conspiracy, I just text you. I'm like, I don't know, David, (laughs) something's going to come up, right? Why did this guy do this in front of AT&T? And you were already on like 29 different threads on Twitter. Yeah, it was mad. But no, you're right, though. The second you see that happening outside an AT&T store that is openly embracing 5G technology, you do. Like, you go, oh, there's probably something more to this. And I guess what I didn't expect was sometimes I get surprised at how stereotypical a lot of this stuff is. Like, the fact he believed in lizard people and that we all have chips in our brain that allow the lizard people to walk 
by unseen. Mm. You can't write this stuff. It's yeah. kind of incredible. But that does answer one of our questions for you in that episode that you didn't have the answer to, which is like, why can't we see them? And now we know yeah. that we have chips in our brains that are scrambling those photons. Yeah, the bomber kindly mailed a few people with descriptions of he'd been chasing aliens in a skate park. And yeah, he had all his information about lizard people. So correct. Yeah, I, I guess that's why we can't see them because we've got the chips in the brain. Of course, probably those same chips hidden in the COVID-19 vaccine, no doubt. Of mm. course. Great point. Well, we tried to introduce a bit of a strata of how sympathetic you are, how, how evil you think these people are. But the fact that he was warning people to get away from the vehicle that was about to blow up, that was my first clue. I'm like, well, he's not one of those people who wants to injure many people and create destruction because he's unhappy. This smells like someone who thinks they're doing something heroic, who presumably thinks they have a really noble cause. So that intention to me is relevant. I'm not sad when there's a mass shooter. I'm angry, but I, I am a little sad when these people are driving trains off tracks or blowing up their motorhome in front of a mobile store. You're right. I mean, that is one small blessing in this is that, you know, he did warn people away. I mean, he lost his life in this whole thing, which is awful. But yeah, there are levels of sympathy you feel for people that fall into these conspiracy theory beliefs. And yeah, it's rough, but it's an odd day to record. I'm sort of glued to Twitter watching the Q shaman wander around in there. Wait, who's, who's the, the Q shaman? Who's the Q shaman? The Q shaman's that guy that he dresses in like a big furry coat and he's got big horns on his head. Yeah, I saw a picture that of him. Guy. Yeah, so he's been around for most of this year. Any kind of Q rally, he'll turn up. And people for a while thought that he was maybe taking the mickey out of QAnon. But then he was literally at, at most marches. And then, you know, I saw him today walking around next to people with Confederate flags. So at some point you go, oh, no, you're not being ironic. You're sort of into this stuff. And here you are on the Senate floor. Oh, yeah. So he's the mascot. He's like this mascot. He's like this wacky mascot character who's, you know, you look at him and he's very comedic and he looks very funny. <laughs> mm -hmm. Friendly, even, yeah, despite friendly. the horns. He, yeah. It's kind of a symbol, I guess, for this whole movement, which it's easy to point and laugh at them and go, this is all a big joke. But then also you're reminded, oh, you know, this has really bad consequences for democracy right now. Yeah. Well, one other thing I want to bring up before we get into the fascinating topic of Bigfoot, which minimally, whether you believe in it or not, it's a beautiful notion. But before we do that, do you get 60 Minutes down there in Kiwi Town? Yeah, we do. We love 60 Minutes. We even had our own like New Zealand version of it for a while where we'd have your American stories and insert our New Zealand stories in the middle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's adorable. Well, so... <laughs> Don't talk down to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys are clearly superior. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no... You guys have won, yeah. okay? The no, pandemic like proved that. you've got hard-hitting scandal stories and then we've got this like tiny story of a con man going, on it was quite funny to watch it actually <laughs> anyways at 60 minutes you know you're ahead of the curve because it is in the fucking mainstream now this week there was a segment on a woman who is an iraqi veteran an american military mm. woman who's also a professional cyclist and she is on some kind of armed forces cycling team and it was discovered by many internet detectives that she competed in a bike race in wuhan china and she was involved in a bicycle accident while she was there. What's interesting is the theory goes both ways. So one is she took COVID to Wuhan in her bicycle. She had lots of canisters in her bicycle. And then the other one is in her injury when she went to the hospital, she contracted it. And she's the one who brought it around the world. Of course, none of this is true. She did not have canisters, nor did she ever go to the hospital after this bike accident. But there is a very significant number of people on the internet that believe she is the face of COVID and that she's responsible. Oh. So death threats, they've had to move. Her life's been ruined. And then they bring in the, the father of the young boy who was killed in Sandy Hook. And he says, you know, they've had to move seven times, this guy, mm -hmm. in addition to experiencing the single worst thing a human can experience. I've spoken to him before because I was sort of fascinated by his story and he's had to just take his face off everything. The notion that you can have something awful happen in your, in your life, 
and then have to go through it all again by being accused of something that's completely out of your control. Yeah, it's awful. And that's when, again, it's like, oh, it's not ridiculous and funny. People's lives are getting ruined over these erroneous beliefs. But he started a foundation, luckily, that actually has had some real traction in getting Google to remove stuff, YouTube to remove stuff. So he's turned it into quite a positive movement, which was inspiring. But anyways, the fact that it was on 60 Minutes and that these people believe this cyclist infected the world with corona is is so preposterous. And here it is on the nightly mainstream news. Yeah, and people are so quick to jump on board uh, those different theories. There's this amazing sort of schematic diagram going around the internet um, a couple of days ago of what the supposed chip was that was being inserted into the COVID vaccine that Bill Gates would use to control us. Okay. But they'd forgotten to take the tags off the bottom of the actual schematic. And so it had things like <laughs> bass and treble because it was like a pedal for a guitar. Oh my God. Oh, like an boy. amp or something. And, so, and yet still this thing traveled around and you had people going, oh, yeah, this is the uh, chip that they're going to insert into your body. So it's amazing how quick we are to jump onto the most ludicrous things. And I guess, I mean, life can be pretty ludicrous, but I'd like to think we've still got some level of being able to look at something objectively and go, maybe this isn't true. <laughs> the thing I recently read is there's a big movement against Biden in their belief that ultimately Biden's plan is to put all of us in work camps. Oh. And basically imprison the whole country and my issue with that is like for what thank you you have to forget everything you would oh know God. about the economy in the marketplace and everything was why how could that serve biden exactly the, the economy is going to collapse no one's going to make any money no one's going to create any money no one's going to create wealth they're not going to create product what is the end goal here yeah, I like to think that we'll get to a point of insanity where we do hit a wall and come back from it I mean, do you think things are getting more ludicrous? I feel like they are. Eventually, yeah. we must hit like a critical point on the graph where we kind of reverse and pull back our ability to dive with arms wide open into all this crazy. The notion that this election was fraudulent when all the states in which this fraudulent behavior happened were Republican controlled or majority. So the left couldn't control the election the first time around with Trump when they actually were in power. But somehow being completely out of power, they had all this control. The fact that there's millions of people that believe that shows a new level of belief in absurdity. Yeah, which is why it's kind of refreshing the idea of talking about Bigfoot today because it's mm. the same sort of belief systems, but kind of fun to talk about. And there isn't yeah. this awful offside. So it's, <laughs> I know you're really keen to talk about Bigfoot, Monica. Like, I'm curious if you you have a particular affinity or you were just like, please, let's stop talking about depressing stuff constantly. <laughs> well, no, it was twofold. One, it's just such a known classic conspiracy theory mm. that I know very little about. So I'm excited to learn. But also, yeah, like maybe... We need a little reprieve from current day madness because unfortunately it's just not relenting every day. There's something else crazy. Also, I'm going to add, she doesn't want to admit this and this is an inside joke, but we'll explain it to you. She also has Bigfoot asparagus. What's that? Dolphin asparagus. Why is that Bigfoot asparagus? Uh, we had a code word. If people wanted to admit they were sexually attracted to dolphins, they could put hashtag dolphin asparagus <laughs> in the comments. And many people did. So I'm saying you have Bigfoot attraction. Oh, You're horny I, for Bigfoot. I Bigfoots. secretly am in love with Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, Bigfoot asparagus. <laughs> I really love this because I did interview a guy once who was in love with a dolphin in oh. Florida. And he'd had a six-month sexual relationship with a dolphin in the <gasps> 70s. And what? his name's Malcolm. We're still Facebook friends. And he'll occasionally talk to me. But he wrote a book on Amazon called Wet Goddess. And he self-published oh. it. Truly awful title. But he kind of fictionalized it so he wouldn't get into any kind of legal trouble if there were, I guess, if there were like anti-bestiality laws that came in or something. Oh, But he openly wow. talks about it. And the really sad thing about this is he was a university student and his friend owned an aquarium. And so he'd just go and like, I guess, like clean the tank and hang out with the dolphins. It was the 70s. Things were a little bit looser, I suppose, yeah. um, with animal rights. And his whole thing is that the dolphin initiated the whole thing and oh came God. on to him. That's his go-to. Questionable. But I don't know whether to believe this or not, but I, I do know dolphins obviously can bond with humans. 
And he thinks they formed such a connection that when he left to go to university, the dolphin Ruby actually c- killed herself. Committed suicide. Yeah, held her breath and sank to the bottom of the tank. I hate to say this, I believe I believe dolphins can fall in love with humans and vice mm. versa. Now that is not to say I condone it or think it should be you. practiced. I agree. <laughs> but but I do believe they can fall in love. I really do. Well, they're definitely sexually attracted to humans. We have a boatload of fucking video of male dolphins trying to hump human women with their penises out. And they're, yeah, so that's well documented. Yeah, there's this incredible interview that Jessica Alba did back when she was starring in Flipper. And she was just talking about how problematic it was filming with dolphins because they do basically always try and have sex with you. It's a real problem. <laughs> Once we started this conversation, I had to do some research on it. Yeah, and I found a video of, a female scientist saying you really just have to jerk them off real quick and get it over with. And then, oh my God, then you no. can study them because they can't do anything else. Those males until you, <laughs> yeah. what the human has to jerk the, the fucking, dolphin the scientist. Oh my God. <laughs> there was that other study that NASA was involved with where they were studying dolphins and Eventually, one of the doctors and the understudy moved into a house on the coast and they flooded the house so the dolphin could actually live in the house with the people. And then they did the next logical thing and started giving the dolphins acid just to see if that would sort of... Oh, that's not where I thought this was going. Because they thought that would sort of increase the psyche. They're seeing if they could communicate with dolphins. And and again, this was funded by NASA, which is pretty incredible. But inevitably, the dolphins got horny and the doctor ended up having to jack them off um, a couple of times a day. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is hilarious. Also, I hate to admit this right now, but I'm gonna. When I took my Pottermore Patronus test, Mm. mine is a dolphin. Wait, what's a Pottermore Patronus (laughs) test? (laughs) Hogwarts, you know, like we took our oh, quiz. Oh, hoggies. Yeah, hoggies. We took the quiz for what house we're in. There's also a Patronus, which is like kind of your spirit animal. Oh, my God. I am not surprised at all you're dolphin. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> not you're kind of dressed in gray today. Like you do have dolphin colors oh, on no. right now. Yeah. <laughs> my hair is up. Sometimes you just hear her in the corner going, <laughs> and you go, what, Monica? And you, huh? <laughs> Nothing. You want some asparagus? So that's, yeah, dolphins. I mean, you can fact check all this and it all checks out. It, it sounds wow. like madness. Can I give you the Reader's Digest version of what our conclusion was? Please. Well, I'll say my conclusion. It's patently amoral anytime a male member of any species has sex with a female member of another species. But... There's nothing amoral about any male member of the species having sex with another. Uh, and let me be more clear. Any man who has sex with a female dolphin is fucked up. And and that female dolphin is a victim. But anytime a male dolphin has sex with a human female, there's no victims. No, yes. The the female should... woman. Well, you were arguing <laughs> this, that she that has such a mental... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, no, no. This is assuming the woman wanted to have sex with the dolphin. I'm with you. Not a ray. There's a power system in place. Exactly. There's a a a, a global patriarch. Patriarch. (laughs) Jesus Christ, In the animal kingdom, it's generally patriotic. So you mean patriarchal? Patriarchal and very patriotic. Oh. Oh. Well, it kind of makes sense. The most patriarchal are also pretty patriotic. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for more, if you dare. We are supported by Mercari. We all have extra stuff lying around or hidden away in a closet that isn't being used anymore. A lot of it is probably in great condition and someone else would get a ton of use out of it. We're just moving, Monica. Mm -hmm. So I'm so aware of how much stuff I have that I need to get rid of. Yes. I have too many awesome pairs of shoes and it's time to pass them on. People have all kinds of stuff in storage units, coffee makers, yoga mats. All that stuff could find a better home and you could do it on the marketplace, Mercari. Good thing is there's Macari, the marketplace app that makes it easy to say goodbye to the unused stuff so someone else can say hello. It's the simplest way to give items a new life and make some money from home. So once you download Mercari, you just have to take pics of your stuff, add a description, and it's listed. When it's sold, Mercari makes it easy by emailing you a shipping label so you can box up your item and send it on to 
its new home. Shopping on Mercari saves you money. You'll find practically new items at up to 70% off. With no need for in-person meetups, it's the safest way to buy and sell. Want to breathe new life into unused stuff? Give every goodbye a hello when you buy and sell on Mercari. Find Mercari on the App Store or at Mercari.com. That's M-E-R-C-A-R-I. Mercari, your marketplace. Download today. We are supported by KiwiCo. Now, this is one of my favorite toys for my family, but honestly, it's one of the favorite toys for me. I saw you making your own little solar system. Yeah. I made a solar system and you got to paint the planets. It was so wonderful. Now, a new year is a great time to discover new things about ourselves and our interests. With a KiwiCo subscription, your child can discover something new all year long. My favorite part about KiwiCo is the kids can actually follow the directions. And so I don't have to get involved very often. It's building their confidence in such a different way if I have to come in nonstop and solve the problem for them. Yeah. There's not a better set of directions in the business. Are they pictures? Yes, there's tons of pictures and they can just follow along. And man, I'm always blown away with what they're able to build. Okay, your child can get super cool hands-on science, art, and geography projects delivered to their door every month. Everything they need is inside each colorful crate so your child can get started right away. With different crates for kids of all ages, there's something for every kid on your list. KiwiCo is redefining learning with hands-on projects that build confidence confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart, i.e. me, at KiwiCo. Get 30% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate with code DAX at KiwiCo.com. That's 30% off your first month at KiwiCo, K-I-W-I-C-O.com, promo code DAX. Okay, Bigfoot. Big, Bigfoot. <laughs> this might have to be a two-part episode. We, we, it was actually, I think the reason we sort of decided to do this episode is because, and it does weirdly go back to politics, but an outgoing congressman, Denver Riggleman, who has written a book about Bigfoot, which was sort of a headline that seemed kind of outrageous, and he beat the Democrat to take that position in 2018, but he got beaten last year by a Republican. But in that whole year he had in politics, he got really obsessed with conspiracy theory belief. And Denver Riggleman basically saw a lot of crossover between belief in a magical, big, hairy creature and the sorts of people that got into conspiracy theories. And he had a personal belief in Bigfoot. So that book sort of being put out by an outgoing congressman did seem kind of amazing and so like worth looking at Bigfoot for a little bit and what we can learn from him. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we all have a soft spot for Bigfoot. Do you think him publishing this book, though, had any impact on his loss? The thing that's interesting about Denver, and and I spoke to him about this, and we, we can play some of the clips, he's had a lot of Bigfoot controversy over his political career. And when he was running originally, he'd posted some photos of Bigfoot on his Instagram page showing its penis. And so... A lot of people were critiquing him for being into Bigfoot erotica. And his whole thing was, it's a joke. And everyone else is like, you probably shouldn't be posting that. But I think he also (laughs) officiated a same-sex wedding of some of his employees. And because he's a Republican, that became a big thing. Now he's back to dead neutral for me. The fact that he believes in Bigfoot, I was like, strike against him. But the fact that he officiated a gay marriage while a Republican, he's neutral. I feel the same way about him. And I talked to him. I want to play the bit where he actually talked about why he got into Bigfoot in the first place, because he saw a Bigfoot when he was a kid. And I've never seen Bigfoot. I don't know if you guys have seen Bigfoot. I have not. Can you tell us just what he is? He's just a bit. Is he a Bigfoot? Well, he's a humongous, hairy, ape-like hominid with large feet. And people claim to have seen its tracks. And that's where the foot aspect of it but, right and then what does he do he just hides from humans right i mean bigfoot he's mainly in the american northwest and there are arguments to what he is whether he's a humanoid creature a descendant whether he's some sort of alien that's been dropped off here whether he's some sort of astral projection so there's a lot of talk about what he actually is but in general i guess he'd fall under cryptozoology which is the pseudoscience of crypto meaning hidden, and zoology animals, so hidden animals, which was a term coined up by this guy, Bernard Huvermans, who's like the godfather of cryptozoology. And under cryptozoology, you've got the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot and the Chupacabra. 
But I guess there's always been lore around the world about big, giant animals. They're talked about in the Bible. They're talked about in a lot of cultures. And then the term Bigfoot came around in the late 1800s because they started referring to like some big grizzly bear footprints as like Bigfoot. And then eventually landed on this creature that people started talking about. And, you know, we've got our own version in New Zealand, the hairy Moho man. There's the Yowie in Australia, Sasquatch in the Himalayas, and then you guys get Bigfoot. I was in Mongolia a very long time ago and learned about the Russian version, which is the Almasty. So there's lore about this all over the place. I guess because since probably the Patterson-Gimlin film showing that really famous shot of what appears to be a Bigfoot walking along, you know where it sort of turns and looks at you? Yeah, he steps over a fallen log. Yeah, I know it well. That kind of kicked things into overdrive. And, you know, despite people coming out and saying, I'm the one that sold them that suit, and despite someone coming out and saying, I was the one in the suit, it's yeah. never been really disproven. And it is a really convincing image that no one's been able to recreate to sort of disprove. So that's the thing that kind of took it into overdrive. All right. I'm not going to interrupt your flow. I want to go to the interview, but I do want us to all earmark the fact that I actually misspoke and there was a moment in time I was positive I was looking at Bigfoot and I'll save that story oh, to geez. the end. Okay. I had totally forgot about it until you, you were just talking and I realized oh, this is exciting. No. Yeah. Well, yep. we'll listen to Denver's meeting and then I want to hear about yours. I was two years old with my grandfather. We were going up to this thing called Bull's Head. It's a spring that feeds all of the fields down this mountain. We drink out of it. We throw rocks down the mountain. He would always get these little boulders, and we'd throw them down the sides of these cliffs to see how long they would roll. My grandfather wouldn't let me hunt, so he made me carry a stick. And, and we were almost back. It was probably 4 o'clock, October, November. You know, it was getting evening. The leaves were very loud. And we come up to our gate to our property boundary, and my grandfather jumped up on a stump, and he looks up into the mountain. He goes, hey, uh, there's something up in there. And I think it's a deer, maybe it's a bear. So we're sitting on the edge, and my grandfather just looks down at me. And, you know, my grandfather, he's the grandfather's of legend, deep voice, doesn't talk much. Funny, but he'd just kick your ass. Just an incredible man. And he goes, run. And I'm like, what, Grandpa? And he's like, run. He jumps down. Now the gate's only 20 feet from us, and... He's only 46. He throws me over the gate. He scrambles over the gate, and I'm sort of standing there. He just pushes me, and he starts to run, and I run. Now, the crazy thing about this story, and it's so true, I'll never forget it. I heard it. This massive cacophony, and it's up on my left, probably 70 to 100 yards, and it feels like it's paralleling us. The hill is so steep. And I'm running, and my grandfather's running, and that son of a bitch, he's, he's so far in front. I'm like... I'm going to die. I got to <laughs> run. My grandfather, I can see the terror from the fence to my trailer, 250 to 300 yards. So you're talking about 45 to 60 seconds that felt like 10 years. Whew. I'm anxious. Now. I mean, I remember that at 10 years old. And I remember we get to our green little trailer. My grandfather doesn't stop. He picks up the lever action 3030. He tells me to get the 22. He comes around the cabin and he takes almost a military stance. He's leaning up against the side of the trailer. Here I am with a little rimfire 22. I'm like, what am I going to do? Is this shoot myself? If <laughs> Bigfoot comes down here, what am I going to do? And he's just pointing that 30-30 up into the wood line for minutes. And that stuck with me. He told me years later, he called it the mighty peculiar. He said it was big, it was black, didn't look like a bear, and it was moving really fast. What was it? Now, I don't believe in Bigfoot. But... There's a difference between possibility and probability. And I think, David, there's a possibility that Bigfoot exists. I just don't think there's a probability that exists. And I've used that so many times because I can't 100% tell you that there's not some big, hairy-ass thing in the woods. Wow. That's Denver. So, I mean, that's where his obsession with Bigfoot started. He's always been into Bigfoot and he ended up being an intelligence officer in the Air Force and then obviously got into politics. But does that sort of ring any bells to you and your experience, Dex? You know, that visceral experience? Weirdly, it does. But first, I want to say, what a great storyteller. All the details, the property perimeter and the demarcation of this, like... 
great storyteller. His reverie for his grandfather is so beautiful. Yeah, well, that's what freaked him out, I think, the most, is that his granddad was like a hard ass. And he said like his granddad wasn't like an old granddad. Suddenly his, his granddad, who's in his 40s, is suddenly terrified of this There creature. you go. Oh my God, the granddad was your age. Shut up. I just up, realized. <laughs> Shut up. Because it was just your birthday. I used to like 46. dolphins. I used to have dolphin asparagus. Are you dating this granddad, Dex? <laughs> this guy was probably like three years younger than me. He was 46. He said it. Oh, he said 46. Yes, that's why I okay. said that. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, Jonathan. Oh my God. I don't want to do that anymore. This interview. I was, just, I was just saying he's so young. He's your. It would be like you freaking out. Right, 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 right. Okay. So really quick, here's my story. This is 100 percent true. I got invited to go to Joshua Tree here in California with a good buddy of mine from the Groundlings, Chuck. Chuck had gone to USC. I didn't know any of the people on the camping trip other than Chuck. It was all of his USC buddies. So we're there and we're all sitting on this huge formation of rocks. I'm on mushrooms. Many people are on mushrooms. Earlier, a few of the dudes had taken off to take a hike. And so we're all hanging on this big outcrop of boulders. And someone goes, what is that? And they point out to the desert and up very far away, like uh, a half mile away, there is some furry fucking creature moving through the desert, uh, clearly coming at us and it's moving. It's occasionally like going down to its knuckles and I am going, this is not possible. A, there's not huge bear out in Joshua tree and there's no gorillas. And that's what it looks like is a gorilla. And this is where I go in my head. Cause I am seeing it. And people are starting to get scared and I'm starting to get scared and it's clearly coming at us. And I think, holy shit, I remember in anthropology learning about Gigantopithecus. So Gigantopithecus was this 600 pound, what they thought was a hominid, but now since I went to college, they now just think it was a gorilla-like ancestor to orangutan. But I know of this Gigantopithecus that is supposed to be seven feet tall and 600 pounds. And it really did exist. And I thought, oh my God, they're still here. And as it was getting closer and closer, people are really starting to get scared. There's some women among us. And this guy's going, stay together. Everyone stay together. Make yourself big. Like all these things are coming at the people have been warned about what you do with bears. Put your hands over your head. So some people have their hands over their head. Some people are screaming. It's coming. It's getting closer and closer. It's picking up speed. He's yelling, Everyone stay together. Everyone stay together. And I bolt. Uh, I fucking go to my tent because I have a knife in there and I have a mag flashlight. And I'm like, worst case scenario, I need some weapons to fight this thing. I go in my tent. I zip it up. I'm also on shroom. So I'm afraid to interact with anything aggressive. And I hear screaming, screaming, screaming. It's getting louder. It's getting louder. It's getting louder. I hear people scatter. And I'm in there like, oh, my God, it's going to rip through my fucking tent. Oh, my God. I'm terrified. And then I hear, oh, fuck you, Mike. Fuck you. <laughs> These assholes who had hiked out in the morning had a backpack with them with a gorilla suit in it. Oh, my. And... One of the guys, well, I've left one part out. There's a person, there was a human running from the gorilla that was also in the group who was not in on the joke. And when he got to the rocks, he's like, it's a fucking gorilla. And he was bleeding. He had tripped and I deserted everybody. Oh, you know, we talked earlier about my, my hero fantasy that went out the fucking window in this situation on shrooms. And I hid scared in my tent until I heard the whole thing. And I came out and I was so blown away by this prank that they planned it and they lugged this fucking gorilla outfit out there. I later thought if that's a different camping trip, not USC riders, someone's got a handgun in that situation. Let me be clear. If I had a handgun in that situation, I would have been firing at that gorilla. I was that scared and that convinced there was a fucking Bigfoot or Gigantopithecus coming at us. Did, did they know that you were on shrooms or did they not factored in that part? I bet that only heightened the appeal, right? <laughs> yeah, oh my absolutely. God. That's a very I cruel just remember, joke man, to I, That's about as scared as I've ever been in real life. I'm terrified of animals. 
that's like you say your that. force majeure moment where there's there's that amazing film where there's this family. Yes. It's a drama sort of comedy. This family sitting out at this ski resort and they see this avalanche coming down the hill and the father just like abandons the kids and his wife and the rest of the film is just trying to like piece his family back together after they clearly <laughs> see he's like the first one out the door. So that was your moment, you know? It was. It was. It was. I'm afraid of animals. Kirsten and I went on safari, and I I was a wreck when those lions would be close to the fucking car, and she was so comfortable. And I'm like, I don't know how to fight an animal. I know how to fight another human. I don't know what the move is. Lion. They have claws. Well, people do know. That's why they were saying get big, and then you just totally disregarded all the things you're. Supposed well, I'll to tell do. you what I was thinking. I was I was like. Oh, these people are experts in dealing with this situation. Like, I know that this is a very novel situation to me. There's no way they've all been in this situation 30 times and learned the hard way. Like that we're all guessing here at what to but do. But you are supposed to do those oh, things. Oh yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. Look, they were all friends. That was up to them. I was the odd man out. I was a stranger and I, I needed to get my mag light in case I had to swing. It's the thing, like it is a legitimately dangerous situation to be in. You know, you see those people driving through safari parks in South Africa who oh. decide to open the door and get out. And you yeah. know, they're taken out pretty quickly. So at least that's a reason oh. to be scared. That's not crazy being scared yeah. in that situation. I think that's sensible. <laughs> I'm grateful to have had the experience where I'm looking at something that I know doesn't exist, but yet I'm seeing it. So I have to figure out some explanation. And mine happened to be Gigantopithecus. <laughs> but in, in absence of Gigantopithecus, I, I would have said Bigfoot. Yeah. And, and maybe this is a good time, actually, to listen to Denver a bit more because he has studied Bigfoot a lot. And he talked to me a lot about what Bigfoot could be. And he, he knows this stuff a lot better than I do. But I was fascinated by this because I've often thought of him as a biological sort of creature. You know, he's some sort of evolutionary throw off or he's something real, you know, or yeah. he's like a, some sort of mutant human if he exists. Bear human hybrid or something. Something like that. Something that I can like put my finger on. But he goes into the details of sort of the different types of Bigfoot belief. And I guess, again, I don't want to keep being the conspiracy guy, but it reminded me a lot about how you can be into Bigfoot, but there's different levels of Bigfoot belief that feels a bit more scientific and a little bit more rational and end up in a space that's very much not that. So, yeah, I, I like talking to Denver about this. Yeah, let's hear it. So there's subcategories. So let me go really quick. Number one are the BEs. They're the biological entity believers. They believe Bigfoot is descended from some kind of missing link. The big issue there, though, on the BEs is does it have infrared? Does it have the ability to cloak itself? Because it can see an infrared and also <laughs> can it throw terror vibes at you? But the big thing is the size of its penis. Since the gorilla has the smallest penis in the simian kingdom, if Bigfoot had a really tiny penis, he's going to be a gorilla. If he had a big penis, he's probably descended from something like Homo erectus. So that's the BEs. Then you have the interstellar Bigfoot. The interstellar Bigfoot is actually dropped here by aliens. It's usually accompanied by probes and lights. It might be here to protect our environment. It might be here to give us a warning. Uh, it might be here as a lookout for the other little grays, the alien grays. But what's really interesting is the magic man theory from the Native Americans as Oma, stick man. Really what's interesting is that it can take your soul. So if you look into its eyes, it can actually lure you into the woods and take your soul. And also, Oma, stick man, can disappear and appear at will. And which one do you think was chasing you through the woods that day as a child? My guess it was a horny biological ape, <laughs> the B.E. Wow. So yeah, take your pick, really, of wow. uh, what type of Bigfoot to believe in. It's not as simple as you'd first think. Now, and this is where we overlap a bit with Eichmann, right? So I got to say his anthropological stance is grounded in reality. Homo sapien sapien of the great apes of all the primates does have the most disproportionately large penis per body index. Yeah. So he has incorporated some good science. Yeah, it's based in some sort of logic. And then, yeah, you go through the more extreme version, which is, is very reminiscent of David Icke and his reptilian shapeshifters and hidden moon base and that kind of thing. You get into the extraterrestrial Bigfoot, which to me seems a, a little bit more illogical. What are you partial to? Well, first of all, I'm angry that the interstellar Bigfoot is not just called Chewbacca because that's what the fuck it is. If it's from space and it's a big Chewbacca was a Bigfoot in space. 
Chewbacca. Oh, Star Wars. Yes, from Star Wars. Totally. And yeah, I guess you're right. Like he is an interstellar Bigfoot. You're completely right. Yeah, and I don't believe any species with the technological capability to travel many, many light years to get to this planet is going to be fine with returning to living in the woods and wiping its ass with leaves and stuff. Like, I I couldn't even go back to the 50s at this point without a microwave. I would kill myself. Not a cell phone. How do I get a hold of anyone? So the interstellar one's the least plausible to me because what an ask of that alien to live in the damp forest. Well, maybe he got stuck here and now he's pissed. Oh, but he's here to help us with our environment. Oh, yeah. I don't think... He's benevolent. Well, in that version, the interstellar version is benevolent. I know, so I don't believe that. Oh, okay, that's why you're writing that one off. That's where you put a line in the sand. Eh? You're like, yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to believe in the Native American version that's also, ding, 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 Harry Potter, a Dementor. Oh. In- that's exactly what Dementors do. They suck your soul out. Oh, in Hoggy World? Yeah, in Hoggies. I got to just push back a little bit on you here. The only consistent thing is that it is always benevolent. Well, Chubacabra, I think, does injure people. But here, Bigfoot has the physical capacity to destroy any man he comes into contact with. And there's no murders of men from Bigfoot. No, he generally wanders away peacefully, right? He's not attacking people. Although he was chasing Denver Riggleman, for that matter. Well, that is true. That's in conflict. But... I bet in the end, if he had caught him, he would have just hugged him and snuggled him. All he wanted was a hug. And I mean, it actually reminds me of the other big debate in cryptozoology about Bigfoot. And that is how many Bigfoot or Big Feet are out there, you know, because you sort of think of it as one. But then there are possibly some people think hundreds of these things. And for the record, I should say, I'm very skeptical about Bigfoot and I don't believe in his existence. I mean, you just see the number of humans on the planet and where we get to. I think we're pretty hard to hide from, and I think we would have had a body by now. So just to state that clearly, not a believer myself. Absolutely. We would have a carcass. It'd be in the archaeological record. Everyone's got a cell phone camera, and and we're fucking everywhere. Yeah. Top of Everest, there's trash everywhere, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Stay tuned for more, if you dare. We are supported by Fight Camp. Now, I love Fight Camp. It's made working out so much more fun because you can box. It's the best cardio, and I'm never aware of the fact that I'm getting through my cardio. I love it because it's particularly good on the shoulders. My delts are always popping after I have a session with Fight Camp. Oh, my. Now, Fight Camp is made for beginners and experienced boxers who want to box from home with new content being released weekly from easy to advanced. It comes with all the gear you need to box at home, including a freestanding punching bag, boxing gloves, mine are white, quick hand wraps, and their unique punch tracking sensors that show you real-time progress and stats on any iOS device. The Fight Camp app comes with over 600 workouts and tutorials, and they release 12 new boxing and kickboxing workouts every week. Fight Camp offers financing so you can pay over 24 months and get your new gym now. And Fight Camp offers a 30-day money-back guarantee. Just go to joinfightcamp.com slash DAX. That's right. Give Fight Camp a try, and within 30 days, if you don't love it, send it back and get a refund. Fight Camp is the new way to work out at home. Make a change and join the community that teaches you the art of boxing while following the most intense workouts that are as quick as 15 minutes. To get free shipping on Fight Camp, just go to joinfightcamp.com slash DAX. Joinfightcamp.com slash DAX. Is he um as big as a dinosaur? <laughs> no. <laughs> it depends what dinosaur you're talking about. A velociraptor, maybe. He's like what, seven feet tall? Eight yeah, feet he's tall? like oh. he's like seven foot. He's like an NBA player, that kind of. Oh, player. He's like a Stephen I mean, Adams. Then <laughs> yeah. that could have been anyone in the woods that's just really tall and maybe was running. And yeah. a shave. Was there a version like of Jess. Bigfoot you had that you were sort of picturing sort of T-Rex size, that kind of size? Yeah, like I thought he was enormous. <laughs> oh my and God. that's why he's so scary. I just don't understand why this is a thing. Like why Bigfoot, why these crypto... Cryptozoologists. Yeah. 
why has that taken off if one, they don't hurt anyone? So like, what's there to even talk about? Two, they're not dinosaur size. They're right. just Jess size. What's I, so interesting about them? I'm so charmed by your absence of knowledge of Bigfoot because <laughs> did you not see Harry and the Hendersons? No. Oh, they got a guy and put him in a suit. But I'm now, not 46. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I, I, I grew I'm up with Harry grand. and the Hendersons as well. And it's very charming Bigfoot that hung out with the family and they try and hide him all the time, you know, because oh. they wanted to keep him safe from scientists who were always trying to get him, right? Yeah, yeah, because he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Is it like a Jewish parallel? Or like Anne Frank in the attic. It's an Anne Frank story. Oh, wow. What? Oh, so you mean you mean specifically the Harry and the Hendersons yes, fable yes, yes. is similar to Anne Frank. Yes. Okay, I follow you. Yeah, it is similar. I'm not sure if that's what the developers of the show and the writers had in mind, Tamara. I think, again, like coming back to conspiracies, I think cryptozoology, you know, there's a lot of crossover between aliens and cryptozoology. And I think it's that wanting to believe in something more exciting and bigger than our day-to-day kind of boring lives. I mean, you just look at how many seasons of Finding Bigfoot they've done. They never find them. But it's still really compelling because it's like the mythology of it all and the appeal of it. This idea that you've got some secret knowledge. So these people get really obsessed with finding a Bigfoot hair and that they can DNA test or a Bigfoot track. It's the same kind of drive, I think, that drives people into belief in other ideas that are incredibly unprovable. And the fact that they aren't provable just fuels them it just gets bigger and bigger instead of making it more diminished which is to me pretty incredible yeah counterintuitive i just want to bring it back to what you just said about the show the producers must live in abject terror about actually finding it <laughs> absolutely like they are so oh, yeah. incentivized to find it because then the show's over well we got it yeah i yeah, found him now i bet i could build a conspiracy theory on that they actually found it but then they <laughs> hit it to keep the show going that is a really solid conspiracy theory i really like that a lot it is and you know the more i think about conspiracy theories in general what i'm recognizing is you really just have to find motive if you can lay out a believable motive i think that allows people to buy in pretty quickly yeah i think that's like the key that's why some of them are a little more confusing to me like the mole children i don't know who who's benefiting but the cryptozoologist is a romantic desire they want to live in a world that's enchanted. Yeah. It's positive. They want there to be magic on planet Earth. It's so, to me, diametrically opposed to these other ones where it's like there's evil people killing children. This is like a, a deep desire to live in a world that's even more beautiful and enchanting. Yeah. No one's storming into Congress demanding the Bigfoot tapes or anything like that. Yeah. You know? I was going to ask have there been like negative, a shooting? Like, I could see it like, you yeah. almost oh. shot your friend. I would like, have. That guy would be dead right now. I could see that someone shooting, like, a person because they thought it was Bigfoot or something. Has that yeah, ever That's not, more not of that a show that would be called Pranks Gone Bad. Yeah, totally. I feel like there must have been, Monica. I don't know any examples of that, but surely there must have been. If you've got hunters mistaking people for deer and that kind of thing. Exactly. Then surely that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Now... Do we have any sense of how many people are there communities of Bigfoot people who go on trips and pilgrimages to help find a Bigfoot? I feel like conspiracy theory belief kind of stays static. There are areas in America I know where it's really big. I think Pennsylvania is really big for Bigfoot sightings and just the culture there is really big. I mean, you'd probably know this better than I do, but in America, it's in your blood, isn't it, Bigfoot? It's like this idea of like taking your kids out on like a mission to find Bigfoot. And even if you don't believe in it, it's an exciting thing to tell your kid you're going to do. So like you go off into the woods. So I feel it's like kind of embedded in an American DNA in a way. Yeah, so that's it. That's why it's I don't know first about generation. it. My parents aren't American, so they could care less. Yeah, you missed out on that mad American thing of like, there's <laughs> this mystical beast we're going to go and find today in the woods. Yeah. I'm going to suggest a free state motto to Pennsylvania. Take it or leave it. I won't charge for it. But a bumper sticker, Pennsylvania, big on Bigfoot. Okay, I like that. That feels very welcoming. I like that a lot. Actually, yeah. One thing I did find out that I think it is a lot more innocent belief in cryptozoology. But one ideological thing I've found is that a lot of people into cryptozoology, like the ones online that have like 
the museums or spend their whole life writing books about it. A lot of them tend to be young earth creationists because from what I can tell, if they find the Loch Ness Monster alive, that helps them prove that the earth is really young because, of course, that's why this dinosaur hasn't died out because once upon a time, dinosaur and man lived at the same time together and it was only, you know, 10,000 years ago. So yeah. that is an underpinning that I think does drive cryptozoology alive, which also, and I don't want to read too much into this, but a lot of hardcore conspiracy theorists tend to be a certain breed of Christianity, I think. Most of the QAnon people also, they'll have God is great in their Twitter bio mm. and that kind yeah. of thing. So that's the only little crossover. And I don't know if there's anything in that or not, but I love cryptozoology a lot. And I often find that people I speak to about it are also young earth creationists. So there's something driving them in that. Now, Denver's belief in Bigfoot did create some problems in his political life. And I know we've talked about Bigfoot penis size and that kind of thing, but I talked to him a little bit about his little political scandal. I found that pretty interesting to listen to. Yeah, let's 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 hear what he's got to say about that. My buddy sent me a picture, birthday picture, had signed by everybody in my head on a Bigfoot body with a censored out penis. Massive censored out penis, by the way, not a small one, really big. I said, this is the funniest shit I've seen in a long time. I got to put this on Instagram. I had like 12 followers. Middle schoolers had more followers than me on Instagram. So I put it on there. And then my daughter's boyfriend had a picture of Bigfoot coming out of the sky like a deity with, again, the big censored phallic. So I kept it up there. And all of a sudden, I got a call about 11 o'clock at night from my consultant. I'd only been running in total in federal office for two months. And he goes, hey, Denver, um, we got a problem. I said, what's wrong, man? He goes, "Uh, you're going to go viral. I said, for what? I didn't do anything. I'm clean as a whistle. He goes, well, you know those Bigfoot pictures? She tweeted them out and called you a Nazi at the same time. I'm like, so there's Bigfoot pictures with penises out there? He goes, yeah. And she's calling me a Nazi? Yeah. I said, what what is going on? It went viral so fast. At seven in the morning, I did 40 interviews in two days, 40. They accused me of Bigfoot erotica, that I had wrote a Bigfoot erotica book. I was hit so hard. I told my wife, I said, I think I should quit. I've never done anything to anybody. I fought against ethnic cleansing in Kosovo. Everybody took something on Twitter as true with no facts. And listen, if people want to make love to big furries or, you know, people dressed in Bigfoot costumes, I don't give a shit. What I care about is when people weaponized it. And the first time I had weaponized badness was because of a lie about me on Twitter. What a learning experience for an intelligence officer. And you know what I used it for? To study it. And it really helped with my book. Wow. So, yeah, wow. His, his running mate at the time, Leslie Cockburn, put that out about him, those photos of nude Bigfoot. And I think he'd been hanging out or he'd been associated with someone that was related to the alt-right, so he got dragged into that as well. Mm. Mm. He was mocked on all the big talk shows. Like It was all about Denver Riggleman, who was running for Congress, who was a lover of Bigfoot erotica. So it's just such a strange political scandal to have as you're trying to run. I have no conclusion to draw. (laughs) from this interview about whether he's well-founded in his belief or not. But I know certainly I would totally love to hang out with Denver. Yeah. He's also, I think he's got his own brewery as well. Oh, he's got a brewery. He's like a man's man. He's like, he's making beer. He's like hanging out with his granddad. He's a, he's a rogue. (laughs) Shooting shooting dogs hanging out with his very young grandpa. Wait, I want to just circle back real quick. You know, you're making the connection between religion and conspiracy theories. It seems like those people are practiced in justifying maybe beliefs that are unjustifiable or- Or don't have empirical evidence. Yeah, but even like they want to believe it. So parts of it, they have to justify somehow. So they're good at that. They're good at like looking over the parts that make no sense in order for the greater belief. Yeah, they're taught to do that. I am the annoyingly outspoken atheist. I do not wish to defend religion or religious people, but I will say this. Any overlap with religious people is almost useless in that 68% of the population is religious. So it's not a great 
weeder outer of anything. You're basically just saying like this percentage of Americans believe this, in my opinion. No, because it's like what we were talking about the other day with people who put liberal or Republican on their Twitter bio. David is saying these people are not, they're not just religious. They're like promoting that they are. That's a big part of their identity. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. The smaller, I guess, minority of Christians who believe that the earth is 10,000 years old and take the Bible really literally. And those are people that have to do a few more mental gymnastics, I think, to get around things like the fossil record and that kind of thing, because they have to prove that man and dinosaur walked on earth at the same time. So they're really used to moving the facts around a little bit to fit what they want to believe. You guys are absolutely right. I concede that. But I'm just saying, if your observation was albinos are really drawn to Bigfoot, that to me is like, wow, what's going on with albinos that they love Bigfoot? Because it's just such a small group of people. But if you say... People who love Bigfoot love McDonald's. I'm like, okay, what is that, 75% of the country? It doesn't make me more curious. I guess that's the point I'm making. Yeah, I I hear your point. And I guess also there are a lot of religious people that definitely don't believe in Bigfoot as well. I'd have to imagine the majority. Yeah, probably, (laughs) probably. And then I think with Bigfoot as well, I mean, obviously there are people, I guess, like us that are fascinated by him or her or it because... It's just a fascinating, interesting story. But then there are a smaller group of the population that absolutely believe that Bigfoot is a real thing and desperately want to find it. It's some people's life mission to find Bigfoot. Yeah. I'll also argue Mm. that nearly 100% of Americans have been indoctrinated with cryptozoology in there's this Easter bunny. That is a story that we try to tell kids is a real thing. There's an Easter bunny. But you grow out of that. You grow out of it. But I'm just saying you're just like religion is like training you to ignore this stuff. It is fascinating how like we do train children to believe in something that is non-existent, whether it's Santa or the Easter bunny. It's a very funny thing we do to our kids. It's like, "Mm, you don't know everything. You're a little bit stupider than I am just because you haven't had time (laughs) to learn things. Uh We're going to make some stuff up. And then yank that out at some point. Uh, Yeah, I've decided this huge caper and lie is justified by the elation you'll experience believing in it, which is a very dicey, controlling, (laughs) powerful stance. I don't have have kids, so maybe it changes when you have kids and that's just what you logically do. But I just can't imagine if I ever had children of doing that to them. It just seems so strange to me. On our side of the street, that time came. I'm like, I think this is the foundation by which you then get them to believe in God and feel shame and sin. He's watching. You won't get your presence. You know, so I was very critical of it. And then another part of me said, A, get over yourself. It's fucking Christmas. You were told that and you're fine. I ended up landing on that side. So I said it and it worked for about four weeks. And then the first hard question came, like, how's he fit in this chimney? Right. And so I lied about that. And then there was another question a few days later, and then a third. And it was when I got to the fifth time, I was now, now I've got five lies built on this first one that I just said, this is untenable. I can't continue to lie to her and and squash this flame that's the best part of her, which is critical thinking. I can't participate in it. Yeah, you're right. You're done. (laughs) You're right. You're done. No, but no, but literally you you can't keep telling a lie for too long. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. And then I'm going to like try later in life to explain to her the value of critical thinking. And yet I participated in this thing for two years where the questions just kept coming and I just kept lying. I just ran out of gas. I I mean, isn't that a big part of parenting just to like screw your kids up as much as possible? I agree with you guys. If I have a kid I probably want them to believe in it. I have a memory of believing in it and being so excited. And yeah. I'm not mad. I don't feel tricked. Right. You know? Yeah, you got to believe in magic for a while. Yeah, and it felt, it, felt it really... kind of feels like they gave me a gift in that in some ways because there's nothing much. When you grow up, you're like everything. Yeah. People are storming the Capitol. Things are bad. But <laughs> Yeah, keep From the magic pers- alive for as long as possible. When you can. Not only are you lying, let's put that aside. You're actually taking away the true value of the holiday. The true value of the holiday is that we as a family take time out of everything else to come together and to be together every day and to celebrate one another and buy each other presents and be giving and generous. So the weird notion to me is like that you're protecting the fucking thing that was invented 200 years ago, the story, 
when there is something of enormous value happening that is way more important. Can I poke a hole? Please. What what they would say is that's not the true value. The true value is Jesus. You've decided the value of Christmas is about family and taking time. And what they would say is that's your takeaway, but that's not the real takeaway of Christmas. The real takeaway of Christmas is Jesus's birth and David's birth. Yeah. Yeah, and You're I, right. yeah, I'm always worried that one is weighed a little bit more importantly than the other, to be honest. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't so feel sorry. quite fair. But but just in my own analysis of why I was so afraid for them not to have this thing, and then I just recognized, well, that's not even the beautiful thing about the holiday. There is a beautiful thing about it, and it's getting you know overshadowed by the guy from the North Pole. Totally. It's, it's a weird thing where Jesus and Santa are both vying for sort of popularity on that given day and often coexisting together. I'm surprised that more Christians haven't pushed back against Santa because he really is a very different kind of a beast. I guess he's like all about giving and being kind. I suppose that's yeah. kind of lines up. But he is stealing thunder a little bit. A lot, I'd argue. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of kids are talking about Santa, right, on Christmas when they should be talking about the birth of Jesus. Yeah. The last thing that Denver said, and he talked for a long time because he is very passionate about this stuff. He was an intelligence officer in the Air Force, and he's a smart guy. And the last thing he talked about was about how he saw Bigfoot belief and conspiracy theory belief lining up, and I guess why we should be cautious on that. I was excited to talk to him about this because it's what I find interesting about this space. Because, you know, when I was a kid, I'd look at Bigfoot belief and sort of think it was totally innocent. But when you look at what that's saying about the way humans can think and the way we are sometimes uncritical of evidence, it becomes a little bit more alarming in a way. So, yeah, this is Denver on conspiracy theory belief versus Bigfoot belief. I think there's these belief systems that encompass people and control them. It's something that's always scared the hell out of me. It's always been my fear that I would go down that rabbit hole. And I think it saved my life multiple times in the military. I do think it's people who do think they're superior. It's almost like a perverse narcissism where they believe that their belief in a Bigfoot deity gives them some kind of superiority over you at every point. And I think there's this strain of arrogance or narcissism in some of these individuals that comes out with some of these belief systems. Now, am I a trained psychiatrist? No, but I've been around. I don't want to offend anyone, but it doesn't there come a time when you say, listen, NSA did not create hammer and scorecard to infiltrate our voting machines. That's fucking weird. It's stupid. I worked in NSA. It's wrong. You probably never had a congressman cuss this much, so I apologize. I'm going military on you. You know, I also don't want to tell them they're stupid. I want to try to train them. Just like there's a vaccination for COVID, we got to be able to digitally vaccinate these people. We got to have a digital vaccine. We got to be able to immunize them against this disinformation. So yeah, his big thing now that he didn't get back in for another term is that he's he is really going to battle disinformation. That's his new passion. We should have him back on down the line because I'm very curious how yeah. his year is going to roll out because I think he's going to be incredibly busy. Yeah. yeah. And he's so right, that arrogance, because the thing that came up nonstop on Rabbit Hole is the cure-all for criticism is like, oh, that's cute. You don't know the truth. Yeah. And that this arrogance that they somehow know the truth mm -hmm. from their message board and we're all in the dark and we're dumb. Makes I've, them elevated. Yeah, yeah, they're well, superior. And because we just watched How To with John Wilson and the one with the Mandela effect. Oh. I was just so stricken the whole time. I could not believe that these humans were so reluctant to just admit they were wrong. They couldn't or do confused, it. Or, or confused. Or like misremembered. Yeah, they were wrong. And it's okay. It's okay to be wrong. But instead, they had to create a multi-universe theory. Like that's more likely than you, a person, just being wrong. It's yeah. so arrogant. Mm. Yeah, it goes back to that whole Occam's razor thing where the most likely answer is the simplest one. Yeah, we've really rallied against that <laughs> against that yes. over the yeah. last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, but yeah, that show, I love that show. It's so Did good. you watch that episode, David? I uh, no, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm a big fan of his. And when I heard that Nathan Fielder was going to be producing and EPing some shows and I saw that come up, I was like, this is probably going to be good. Yeah. It's, it's great. great. I'll be excited to talk to you after you watch that episode because I was bullseye three of them. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it definitely used to be called Stover Stovetop Stuffing. I know it just like they knew it. 
And also that the the sunshine on the Raisin Bran box, that thing had sunglasses. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I've no, seen the, it with The Mandela sunglasses. stuff is incredible. And it just reminds you that the human brain isn't this perfect recording device. Like it's very open <laughs> exactly. to being messed with in, in really bonkers ways. Yeah. It just does get confusing when so many other people had the same error. Yeah. It gets intriguing. How did we all get the same mistake? You don't even like that part of it, do you, no, Monica? No, I don't. I'm just like, yes, yeah, sorry, guys. But like, if one in three people believe there was a product called Stouffer's Stovetop Stuffing, don't you need an explanation no, for that? yes. The explanation is your brain associated because those words sound similar. Your brains are all doing the same thing and everyone wants to be unique. So they don't want to believe like, no, no. So I, I would love it if that's the explanation. If there was like some linguistics experts said, oh, it's because this, this and this. But it certainly demands an explanation. Like, why would one in three people think that the thing had sunglasses on? That's intriguing. Again, because it is a sun. And your brain is associating sun and sunglasses. See, I think it's because of the raisins dancing in the commercial. And the little raisins had sunglasses on. I think that's where the kernel of confusion started. I just really like that at this point in our evolution, we're having these kind of arguments about these kind of things. You know, we're at this point... Of super important stuff. <laughs> it's not. I love it though. Like it is. It is important stuff to figure this out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, none of it's really about that. It's way more about your childhood, how yeah. the world's changing. It's scary. It used yeah. to be this way. Now it's this way. No, I know it was that way. It never even was that way. You know. Yeah. These are deep, existential. Is the world I grew up in going to exist when I'm gone? Questions. Yeah. And it's also the stuff is really exciting because I think it's what the QAnon people think and it's what Bigfoot believers think and people into aliens. It's this idea that once we find this thing, that life will get better somehow. If we find yeah. you know, aliens, it's like the whole scope of everything just gets more epic and interesting. And that's what we're all searching for because we're all creeping around, stressed out by all of like life's problems. And it's yeah. like escapism. That's what we're all after. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's fine sometimes. That's what this show is. <laughs> that's what this show is. It's escapism. You're right. Well, David, we fucking love you. I'm happy belated s- hap- birthday. Happy belated Thank birthday. Thank you so much for remembering. It's like being a constant battle my entire life, getting people to remember and to have like two wonderful Americans validate me like this. I mean, I'm going to be like buoyant for the whole year off this. Oh, my gosh. As you should be. And then you're coming here shortly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm set to come over in April, so I don't oh. know with restrictions and that kind of thing if I'm allowed up in your attic that I always see on the Zoom screen, but I would love to be in the attic. You're going to be in our attic. Yeah, we're going to be doing this shit together. For sure. Oh, I'm Ooh. so into this. I can't wait to visit. I want to be in amongst the madness on the ground, so can't wait. Cannot wait. I have David Asparagus, Monica. David Asparagus. Yeah, I don't like this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Love you, brother. I better go. Talk See you guys. Bye. 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 Bye, Monica. Bye.